0: Co host Sean Newkirk alongside me with three guests today. Well, two guests. Uh, one is my co host here, uh, Matthew Lamar. Matt? Hey, what's how's up? How's it going? Good. Um, we're joined also by soon to be out of state, out of area uh, resident Josh Ward. Josh? Hey, how's it going? And then finally, the newly married but still going by her name for all intents and purposes here, uh, Minda Haas. Minda.
1: Hello, and I gotta say, Josh is uh, gonna be our East Coast office.
0: Yes. Our yes. Excellent. Sure. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. He
2: yes. will fax us yeah, over. I, I, I uh, turned in my expense report because I bought MLB TV nice. premium for $25 for the rest of the year. Yes. Very
0: nice. So, hey, he got nice. it cleared through HR first, so everyone knows <laughs> there. Uh To right. Max, who's was everything. Uh, okay, so... Uh, it's been a couple weeks since we last podcasted. Um, we talked about Johnny Cueto and Ben Zobrist joining the Royals, and let's, uh, let's have a chat here about maybe how they've been so far. Uh, we know Cueto's been pretty dang good. I just saw a tweet saying that since joining the Royals, he's already been worth one and a half wins by baseball reference war, which is a pretty good chunk over, you know, a couple weeks. Um... Guys and and lady, how do we think the early returns are on on these two fellows?
3: Uh, well, for Cueto specifically, obviously very good. I didn't think that the Royals really needed Cueto for for some reason. Like in hindsight, that's really dumb. I thought they would rather get the uh Ben like Ben Zobris type, which they did. They got both of them, which is great. But you know, looking at what he's done, and you know, you sort of uh understand something. Uh, in a new light, when you actually have a pitcher, you know. I I think I was at least partially saying, "Oh, it's okay," but you know, once you realize that you you have a number one starter like Cueto, it's, um, it's something else. You know, he's really, 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 really good.
1: And, well, I, wonder- and I think you first.
2: Oh no! by all means.
1: <laughs> I wonder if that's something just sort of burned into our psyche as Royals fans, where like we the idea of having somebody who's legitimately that good is just so foreign to us that like and then uh, secondly like well we don't want to give up any prospects like all we have is prospects you know, we, we don't want right. to we gotta we gotta hoard those you know like cats in a freezer or something like just never <laughs> ever give them up
2: Well, um, yeah. And-
1: so, to, so to actually like move those prospects and have somebody legitimately good come in at the trade deadline is fully foreign on several levels
2: Right, and I I think I actually went the other way with it. The what Matt said he wasn't sure if we needed Cueto and thought that the position player was more probably important. I I thought that Cueto was more important, but I think that Zobrist's performance so far with the Royals has been as valuable as as Cueto's has been. I mean, the guy's already drawn eleven walks oh. in fifteen games. Uh, he's Got an OPS of almost one thousand. It's at nine ninety three with over with
3: nine
2: thousand. <laughs> well, not quite. <laughs> right, not quite. Uh, he's getting on base uh, like a forty four percent rate, and it's just it's been completely ridiculous. Watching Johnny Cueto pitch is a remarkable experience, and I really haven't felt the way I feel about watching him pitch as I did watching Granky in two thousand nine. Uh, And that's a really awesome feeling, but seeing a guy like Ben Zobrist, who is a lot like Alex Gordon, uh, and thinking that the Royals might have two guys who are able to draw walks and hit for power, uh, has got me feeling very, very warm.
3: Yes, (laughs) Yes. That, that's a good way to describe it, I think. Sean, what about you?
0: Yes, uh, I'm going to speak on Zobrist here. Uh, oh, God. I love Shamaniah, but Zobrist has just been so damn awesome. 177 WRC+, plus, so 77% better than league average. He's got a, what, a 216 ISO. Uh, f- as Josh said, 444 OBP. The dude is just insane, and... Uh, it's sure it's a, a small sample size, of course. You know, here in the past 15 games, and it's kind of hard to project him to hit 177 for the rest of the way. But yeah, I mean, already been worth by Fangraphs WAR um, almost his whole amount of what he's played in in Oakland. He was worth 0.9. He's been worth 0.6 so far. So hopefully wow. he gets. Um, once Gordon's back, he becomes the full-time second baseman, really pump up his value there, and uh, yeah, very, very happy and not surprised, not pleasantly surprised, pleasantly uh, expected.
3: Yeah, I think there, there's been a lot of hand-wringing um, among the comments uh, at, at Royals Review and just, you know, the, the general public about what's going to happen once um, – you know, Gordon does come back uh, because uh, Zobris has basically been put into left field, which is not ideal. Um, but, you know, once Gordon comes back, um, they don't really have a choice. Like, everyone else is entrenched at their position. Like, are you going to remove Gordon from left field to play Zobris, right? Yeah. Are you going to remove Kane, who's making an MVP consideration, even if he doesn't win, uh, because Mike Trout is an alien? Um, you know, are you going to remove uh, Moose? From third or Escobar from short or Hosmer at first, you know, there's just nowhere else on the field that he would play. And I think, in a way, like Moore has sort of idiot-proofed that roster, where the only two positions that are realistic for him to play are second base and right field, and that's you know that's the only way that that Yost can really use him legitimately. And I think even Yost, for all of his uh, sometimes Frustrating displays of arrogance knows that Zobrist is really good, um, and that he's better than Rios and Infante. So I, I'm, I'm a little worried that he might do something stupid. But like, there's not really much wiggle room there. It's, it's either he's going to be in second base or he's going to be in the outfield, and that's, that's really his only options.
0: Yeah, I, but I, I think Zobrist at this point could put up one or two wins just to, as the third base coach at this point. You know, that guy he's just pretty much good at everything. So I, I'm happy to put him. Doesn't matter where he's at, you know, on the team. As long as he's somewhere on the team, it, he's, you know, he's going to help out a lot. Like Just
2: so. so you guys know, as we're speaking, Benzo Chris doubled in Alcides Escobar. Oh, Nice. Uh, uh, and then Osmer singled. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we are live watching this game, podcasters. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, and I think I think one of the things that I think the Royals are going to feel good about is come this offseason, if. If they, if they feel like they can't re-sign Alex Gordon, if he's going to just be t- too expensive, I think that Ben Zobris presents a decent fallback option for them. Because monetarily speaking, if they can afford Alex Gordon, they can afford Ben Zobrist. I mean, right. that's, that is kind of just how that works. Zobris is not going to get the contract that Alex Gordon gets. Uh, I don't think they can necessarily re-sign both of them. But I think if Alex Gordon ends up getting a much better offer from whoever, probably the Yankees, but whoever, that I think the Royals feel like they they would be able to re-sign Zobrist and actually put him in a position to succeed next season.
0: Yes. And speaking of the game, it's not very contemporary by the time this post. but if you guys are watching this game – do you see this girl in the pink just sitting like right behind home plate, not even in a chair? like mm-hmm. not even in, It's not even an assigned chair. I think she just brought her own stool and just sitting behind yeah. home plate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right next to Marlon's man there, too. It's just right. bizarre. I can't stop figuring out how she's sitting there, why an usher hasn't come down and said, ma'am, you absolutely cannot sit here. So, she's right. actually
1: levitating. Yes. And that's why the usher is intimidated yes. by her magical powers and is like, right. well... She, she, if she can levitate there where there's not a seat then I, I better not I better leave her alone
0: yeah Marlin's man I love Marlin's man is there okay yep. so moving on from that sounds like everybody yes is uh happy about uh Zobris and Quaid or hard not to be there
3: yeah I've actually got a segue Sean oh yes okay go ahead okay so here's my my segue is um uh you know, Ward said, I don't know if the Royals have enough money to sign both of them. And I you know, wow. I, I don't know if, if they do. I, I think it's probably pretty unlikely. But for my like off season my perfect offseason would be they re Gordon and they re Zobrist, and in order to clear the payroll, they unload Infante's contract and Greg Holland's contract, who is under uh, the team's control for one more year. And the return for Infante and Holland can be nothing. You know, I, it, they need the payroll space more than they need either of them. And that brings us to the other, uh, the other point. The segue is, uh, Greg Holland, who sort of imploded a couple nights ago. Um, what, what do we do with Greg Holland now,
2: if anything? Well, I, th- I think your perfect off season is also my perfect off season. So we Excellent. agree on that, on that point. Um, I, Greg Holland's season has been very strange to me. Uh, obviously, his velocity has been down this season, and he had shoulder something earlier this year. It was kind of written off at the time as being sort of a minor thing, um, and I had even heard from, from some people that if the Royals had been in the playoffs, he would have just pitched through what was going on with his shoulder at the time. But ever since then his you know, his velocity's been jacked up, his his walk rate has completely skyrocketed this season. He's not striking people out as much as he used to. Um, opponents are making harder contact. I mean his ERA is four point zero four right now. Um, and his FIP is a little bit better at 3.25 but his career fip is 2.19 so he's a full run worse this year than he has been over his career and i think i th- i i think this is is one of two things either he has sort of a lingering shoulder problem that is continuing to bother him that is simply kind of just not being addressed for reasons or he's a relief pitcher and this is just what happens i mean yeah re- relief pitchers are are naturally fungible commodities and greg holland's been really good for the last 4 years but to expect a relief pitcher to continually be that good year in year out is is kind of a fool's errand
3: yeah especially for a guy like holland who's you know short ish you know, five five ten isn't short in the real world, but you know as a pitcher, that's that's not very tall. Who and, throws?
2: Who throws basically straight overhand on kind of a leaning? Yeah. Uh, with high slider usage. With yeah. high slider usage, and uh-huh. he also throws a split finger, which is also not great. It's not as bad as the slider is, but I mean, he has historically relied on his breaking pitches to set up his fastball and. It's just, yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, looking at the, the pitch FX data and, and from watching the games, you, I, I think like his main problem is that um, he, his fastball is not there. So he's walking more people. He's not striking out, you know, as many people, and so he's lost, you know, a little bit on his fastball. You know, his career fastball is ninety five point six miles an hour. And uh, this year, his uh, fastball average is 93.9 miles an hour. So it seems to me like he is just... um, He's losing a little bit on his fastball. So what that means is when he throws it, uh, hitters are either fouling it off or they're making good contact when otherwise they would either foul it off or miss. His slider is still there, but his fastball people are just they know just to wait on the fastball and in years past, like last year when he was really good, his fastball was really good he was striking out a lot of people, he wasn't walking as many people, so it's a combination of he's losing a little speed so people can key up on that, that fastball and he's also just not locating it as well, um, so those two things you know, it's, it's really bizarre because he hasn't lost the slider or his other pitches, you know, at all it's just, the fastball's not there and if your fastball's not there, that's you know, not, not good
2: well, and I think he's also he's trying to compensate for that a little bit because he's throwing fewer fastballs this season than he has the past three years, and he's throwing more sliders to try and keep people off balance. And it, it works two ways because his slider is a, is a great pitch when it plays off of the fastball, uh, but if the fastball is not there, then the slider, which he typically throws low and out of the zone, right to, to get hitters to chase on it, but they don't have to do that anymore if they can recognize the movement on it because they know it's going to be a ball. Which you know explains why he's walking over five batters for nine innings this season. Just because hitters don't swing at the slider anymore because they. Don't have to.
0: Yeah, uh, I I agree with everything everybody said. Uh, he is a different Holland. I think we can all agree that he's not the same. He's still good. It seems like he still has the capacity to be good, and you know it's hard to expect him to be as bad as he was the other night. You know, consistently, but right. I mean, he did come back the next his next outing and strike out the side. Yeah. So so we know there's something in there, but. I think it's pretty clear that Wade Davis is a better reliever than Holland, uh, mainly because Holland's very Holland's good. Wade Davis is very good, and it, there's a small difference, but there is a difference. You know, when you get to that upper echelon, you know everybody's kind of just pretty dang good across the board. But I think statistically you could prove, or at least even visually you could prove yeah. that Wade Davis is a better pitcher than Greg Holland at this point.
3: Right. But the the question is, you know, should Wade Davis be the closer? Um, and I think no, yes. actually, because, uh, your best reliever being in the closers spot where there are arbitrary limits on his use, um, just sort of neuters a little bit. Um, part of way, way Davis's success is he's been able to pitch, you know, in the eighth inning, um, he's pitched in the ninth inning and you know what, in a tie game on the road and Wade Davis in the ninth inning is, you know, as, as sure as you can get to a, um, you know a clean easy easy out of that inning so you know using Wade Davis in a role that does not restrict him to the ninth inning mm-hmm. is the best way for the bullpen however I could see a situation which you say you know maybe Luke Hochaver should be the closer or Madsen should be the closer or whatever uh, but you know not not Davis Davis is too good to be the closer which doesn't make any sense but that's, yeah. that's true. My and opinion
0: is, though, that there should... Sh- and I think most of us agree on this, is there should be no such thing as a closer. It should be your best reliever should pitch in the highest lever situations. That kind of just makes sense, right? You want your most sure out to come at the point when you need the most sure out. And but so domes. that's generally in the ninth. Minda?
1: I said, but domes.
0: Yes, yes that's I, that's true. Domes. It's be-
1: just so entrenched. I don't know that it would be something that... The baseball world could move away from.
0: Just so everybody is, is aware of this, Wade Davis in the ninth inning has a .89 ERA. He's actually has a worse ERA in the eighth inning than he does the ninth mm-hmm. inning. Now I don't know if it's tied on the road or you know what, right? What circumstances well, he pitch in the ninth? I
2: mean, but. he recently gave up a few runs in the eighth inning, so that something to do. With.
0: It could yeah, but it's point eight nine against one two two. I mean right. there's a difference. But it's it's minimal. I mean it's point yeah. I mean it's basically no difference. But
2: I mean I think I mean the just based on the numbers, I mean Greg Holland has been probably the fourth best reliever in the bullpen right now. After Herrera and Davis and Ryan Madsen. I would say.
0: Wait, wait, wait. Go back to April 1st and and tell yourself you're saying that. Could you believe that?
2: I cannot believe that Ryan Madsen has been better. (laughs) Yeah. The other two I'm kind of okay with. Yeah. I I would assume that Greg Holland would outperform Kelvin Herrera, but... Yeah. um, The fact that... it's, It's interesting because the Royals have kind of lucked into a situation where they're using their best relievers in the most important situations and leaving Greg Holland to pitch the ninth because that's been his role, but he is not their best reliever this season by a lot of measures. And so it leaves them with the availability of using Ryan Manson and Kelvin Herrera and Luke Ochaver and Wade Davis whenever they need them. Um, And so it's, it's interesting how it's worked out for them in that they're not using their best reliever in the closer role.
0: That's a good point. But the, my counterpoint, though, is, of course, the ninth inning typically is the highest leverage situation. You know, a the, the two-run lead in the eighth inning is not as high as a two-run lead in the ninth inning. You know, so it would just make sense that there shouldn't be a closer role. And this is an argument we can have forever, so let's not get too far into it. But that's my opinion on it. If you you know obviously if you yeah. read my article you understand you know that's mm-hmm. what I'm getting at so anyways so I did read your article did and you, I, do I, I appreciate it I really do I we're really trolling page views we <laughs> we make our own writers read the article 15 clicks they have to click and read it 15 times that's right I went
1: to the library and read it on yeah. every computer there
0: all so. the way from California Minda's dedicated guys <laughs> um, yeah and very I mean. You're, you're right that Madsen has been much better than expected. You know Holland. There's, there's. It's not bad having four really, pretty good relievers of different variance levels there. Well, and
2: it's it's one of the reasons why I'm more than okay with trading Greg Holland. Yeah. and tying Omar Infante to his leg, and getting literally nothing in return for them because, I, see. I, I think they can probably re-sign Ryan Madsen. They've yes. got Luke Hochevar under contract. Wade Davis is under contract, and so is Kelvin Herrera. And so I I think that gives them the cover that they need to get rid of Greg Holland.
0: But attach him to – and that's my kind of issue with it is that if Andrew Miller – and obviously prices are higher at the deadline, but Andrew Miller for three months of him who had never – I don't think he had a save at all for um, the Orioles at the time or the Red Sox at the time – he got traded for a nice little piece of Eduardo Rodriguez, you know, with only three months control. You think you would rather have Holland tied to Infante get nothing back, you know, or relatively little value returning? Well, the
2: thing, I, the thing you have to keep in mind is you're not technically getting nothing. Presumably,
0: you're getting Ben Zobrist. If, but, but this is all contingent upon they'd have to sign Zobrist first, right? Right.
3: Yeah. Right, but even not Zobrist, they could sign somebody who would be a good, you know, fit as a starter, or take on the contract of uh, another team that has uh, has something, you know, uh, you know, so, somebody like Cole Hamels' situation, in which the Phillies sent money with Cole Hamels because they didn't want that contract to have the money to take on something like that. Obviously, not that crazy, but you know that as well. I mean, the Royals just need the payroll space. Everybody's right. going to get. Raises and yeah. you know this is not suddenly a large market
2: team. Yeah, so, I mean, Infante and Holland next year are going to make something in the neighborhood of eighteen million dollars combined.
0: Yeah, but and this I, is this is twenty sixteen only though. That's that's my kind of concern. Is that we're talking about? Well, on uh, yeah.
2: So it's twenty six million over the next two seasons because of Infante's two years oh. left. Right. That and that as well.
0: So we we have the sounds like there's maybe a collective feeling that nobody's get, even if we took out let's just say we took Infante and gave them uh, Christian Benford nobody would take what level of return attached to Infante prospect wise do you guys think needs to come for someone to eat the full contract of Infante I
3: I, I don't I don't know it's it's really hard to tell yeah um, it's, it's yeah
2: that's that's such an unusual situation that I mean I guess. Was it Tuki Toussaint got traded for cash, basically? For cash, basically, yeah. recently. Yeah. yeah, and that's but, a
0: really high Toussaint. Yeah, very big project, but I mean, just was a right. first round pick. Yeah. Right,
2: but didn't, but didn't actually come with any anything sort of attached to him, right? It was just yeah, Aaron Harang. I mean, it or, was they basically yeah or, they basically or, um, just sold
0: uh, his, his contract name? for money. It wasn't Harang. It was uh, what's his dang name? His teammate in Cincinnati, but I can't think of. He has a long hair. Dang it. Uh, Johnny Cueto? No. (laughs) Close.
2: (laughs) Bronson Orojo?
0: Yes, yes. Gosh, dang it. I couldn't think of his dang name. He plays that stupid guitar on that MLB commercial. Anyways, uh, so yeah, but I just think that I would rather ask a team to take Infante and figure out maybe what they would want attached to Infante uh, and then trade Holland separately. Because I just think Holland's value is – he has pretty good value for, you know, it's the one-year closer, but, I mean, he's – not extremely large contract. I mean, it's what will be $10-plus plus million or so, you would imagine, um, which is a decent rate. I mean, Andrew Miller's making more than that. Obviously, he was a free agent. It's a little different. But I, I just still think that we should look at Holland by himself and then see, okay, who will take Infante? Because uh, worst-case scenario, they can just DFA Infante. I know it's just eating the money, but, I mean, it's not like they have to play him 162 games over the next, you know, next remaining years each year there so that's my thoughts that's my opinion there's my two cents um so Matt you got to talk to Buster only.
3: uh no that was Kevin
0: that was Ke- oh my goodness I thought it
3: was Matt oh I that's because like I have all these interviews with like I had one with Mellinger yeah weeks
2: ago but no that was that was oh. all Kevin is it, is it Mellinger or is it Mellinger it's Mellinger 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 I'm pretty yeah. sure it's Mellinger. Oh, I I've been I've been calling him Melinger this whole time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I thought it was Mellinger too. It's M- Mellinger, huh?
2: Um yes.
3: I and Sam, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. But I, I got that I, I read something that he wrote or something where he said, you know, it's a it's a guh. Okay. But that's neither here nor there. Um I did not interview Buster did
0: Well Nope. How, do, you, how, do you know who Buster Only is? Uh, you're very well aware of him, though, correct? Yes, okay. I, I know who he is. <laughs> Josh, you and I share a great uh, yes,
2: a relationship with him. Yes, we do. We, we are both blocked on Twitter by Buster Only. Yes. What did you guys do? Um
3: the, are I, you blocked I, by Twitter?
0: Are, are you blocked by him on Twitter?
1: Uh, not to my knowledge, but I, I suppose I could log on and
0: see. Sure. <laughs> I dated his daughter. That's why he blocked me. It's pretty, pretty simple there.
2: I criticized an article he wrote for ESPN the magazine um, in which I... I can't even really state what I said at the time. It was not necessarily... The article was about Brian Cashman uh, in 2013 doing such a wonderful, remarkable job of rebuilding the Yankees with all of these spare parts and how... Great he was, and how amazing the Yankees organization was for playing Lyle Overbay at first base and <laughs> trading for Vernon Wells. <laughs> um, and it was it was just the most soporific thing that I uh-huh. read that year. And so on Twitter, I I don't I don't even think I mentioned his handle. On Twitter, I think I just mentioned his name, uh, and found out within a couple of days that I had I had been blocked on Twitter because none of his tweets were showing up in my timeline anymore.
0: He's a very bitter man. How did that
2: even
3: happen? Well, yeah. What did so? What did you do, Sean?
0: Um, I think I kind of deserved mine. He he uh he had a tweet. I think it was in like October. Yeah, it was during the World Series and. He said something along the lines of like, now in the dugout, um, Hunter Pence brushing off the dirt from his his pants or jersey or something like that. Something really just like, okay, what's the point of this tweet? And I just kind of snarkedly said, "Oh yeah, that's some real insider content right there." Like, just <laughs> joking. And then, and, and, and this is it's his prerogative obviously because it's a Twitter. But it's a, I feel like it's a very common thing among among like very national pundits that like. I mean, it's just a quick. They don't give a, a crap about who I am. It's just a quick little block. Okay, if you don't have anything to say to me. I don't care. Block. You know, it's it's quick to do. So I, I don't know. But yeah, it was something like something very stupid like that by myself. Stupid of me, not necessarily of him. So
2: okay, I found my tweets. Just read Olney's philatelic article on the Yankees in latest ESPN mag. Gag unto me with a spoon.
3: Yeah, that's
2: that's an in- I
0: think Twitter automatically blocks PB. any ar- any
2: article that highlights giving Vernon Wells a 2-year 14 million dollar contract as frugal and prudent is disassociative narrative hawking drivel. Jeez.
3: Wow, that's but like why did he Any block-
2: article that gives kudos to the Yankees for picking up over desiccated corpse and playing him consistently at first base is blind ego.
3: But you didn't even like mention his Twitter. Like you didn't nope. mention, like Buster only. Oh, like, you didn't add him? Yeah, nope. That's just, just very bizarre. Those yep. are some
0: grade A tweets, though.
2: Yeah.
0: Holy cow! So, I figured you. Uh, I mean, I figured you added them. That's how it nope. happens. Wow.
3: Maybe somebody like. Well, I don't know. Maybe somebody quoted you and
2: tagged him or something. Or I something. don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I'm, but, yeah, I'm also just, guessing that he just has a PA that searches for his name. Yeah.
1: Like a tweet-that column.
2: Yeah. Just automatically. Just, I'm guessing that he has an intern that searches for Olney and then yeah. blocks and ads or whatever people based on what they're saying about him. Right,
0: which is basically what Dan Zamborski does, except for he has a Google alert that every time something with his name comes up, he just gets an instant email. Right. Yeah. Oh, is that
3: why he always shows up in the comments when he
0: says Zimborski? Yeah, that's why if we say Zimborski, Zimborski, Zimborski three times. Um,
2: <laughs> that's, yeah,
3: that's why he up. shows up. He's
0: probably going to pop up in this damn podcast here in a couple of seconds now that I see. Well,
2: as long as you mention in the article that we talked about him. Yeah, oh, a, nice. A, a little blurb for yeah. the podcast, and yeah, he'll definitely. What's up,
3: What's up Dan? Can hey, you Dan. Draw, another, uh, draw another comic involving Billy Butler and Andrew <laughs> Royals? Can you give uh,
2: me some pointers on my Hearthstone deck?
0: Yeah, what's the deal with zips? Uh, so,
3: <laughs> what's the deal with zips? Um, is it like you put them on like pants and
0: stuff? Yes. I just, I, why?
1: What is happening
3: with
0: baseball?
1: And then you don't have to watch games anymore. Yes, you got your zips. Nerds. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we have, you know, Professor Calculator is here already with Matt. Then we've yeah, got that's, that's correct. D- 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 coming in. Um, hey, breaking not breaking news, but news yeah. that's relevant at least. Um, the Royals just. Or announced they signed we knew about Randy Rodriguez, but they also just signed um the chamberlain uh, former corn husker there what we, off the cuff. Big,
2: big corn
0: yes what's uh what's the hot take what did we feel about this quick little little quip this little pick up
1: Depp is good I, I like step
0: yeah they You're need see ar-
2: they need arms in AAA. like yeah yeah badly
1: it's that yeah.
3: Minda, who is starting a Triple A? Like they traded everybody.
1: Uh, yeah, they're pretty, and not only two starters, but the two starters who consistently could make long starts in uh, oh, Aaron man. Brooks and John Lamb. So it was pretty much like, well, uh, they actually brought Chris Dwyer back into the rotation. Uh, he's been in the bullpen for the last like year plus because his health got bad, and he's not good. So he's, uh, I, I mean, he, his poor health sapped a lot of his strength. I'll say it that way. But they're they're trying him back in the in the rotation and then like buddy bauman slots in for some starts and and uh buddy bauman's basically like he gets treated like a college pitcher in some ways like they just sort of run him out there whenever they need him whether he's rested or not um you know it's, just, it's, it's, it's like cobbled but yeah. um we do have miguel almonte uh recently joined the team and yeah. jc solberon um, Queda,
0: or the Broxon trade, by the way, for those who yeah. want to know the yeah. genesis of that guy.
2: Sulpin and Sam Selman, right?
0: Yeah, no, uh, uh, Donnie Joseph. Donnie Joseph, Joseph. Yep. yeah, yeah good old the Donny dojo Joseph. himself. Yep, Selman yeah. was drafted, right, right yeah. it was from Vandy. Um, one of the <sighs> many Vandy pitchers that were drafted or have Clayton Mortensen's still starting, isn't he? Oh, yep, yep. Man, I'm looking at this, Amanda. I don't know how you do it young lady, I'm looking at this Omaha roster and it's there's just nobody exciting on this roster except for maybe Almonte. I mean It's
1: it's so strange too because last at the end of last season everyone was like, Oh, see you next year. Can't wait till we have all these prospects here oh. and then like everybody's either skipped us, <laughs> yeah. got hurt, got traded, and we have no prospects whatsoever.
2: Man uh, Brett Abner. Yeah. Brett Abner. <laughs> Balbino <laughs> Fuenmayor. Mayor. Uh, oh man, Balbino His, him up. his his brief, Nova-like rise through the organization—very
0: sad, but the poor, poor man. Yes, um, get get
2: healthy soon.
0: Speaking of prostate pro- prostates uh, Speaking of <laughs> prospects, um, no comment. Yeah. Uh, so let's. What about those September call-ups? Uh, possible September call-ups. It's almost September. It's getting close. Usually after August, September comes. So mm. in theory, September is coming up next month. Um, Minda. Who, as our Omaha resident expert, resident and expert, um, who's coming up? Who do you think would maybe make a good call up uh, for this September?
1: Um, just in you know to keep things simple as far as who's already on the forty band, um, I would call up a Ray Fuentes, ah. left-handed outfielder. Um, he is good depth, uh, young, fast, plays all outfield positions, and has hit really well this season. Um, so he could, he's definitely someone who could spell any outfielder who needs a day or two off in September, um, and he's on the 40-man. Uh, I, I do think, you know, if if Terrence Gore's ankle uh, heals, he'll be up. Um, not Not that he's in Omaha, but, I don't know, just, again, keeping with the – 40 man roster, like those are easy moves. Um, but then it's, I, I don't know who who do you think that um, is not on the 40 man that you would want to drop somebody to to call up in September. Oh man, well
2: Go they've ahead. got some spots open. Yeah. Oh
3: yeah, the oh, yeah. they got yeah.
1: Well
2: they
0: have. Two. No, I think they have Well, they're,
2: they're also losing a lot of guys that are on the 40 for next year. So I mean, you can expect Young and Guthrie to be gone. Oh yes,
0: please. Uh, oh good point. <laughs> yeah so i
2: i mean i think guys that are obviously going to be added would be bubba starling
0: yes has mm-hmm. to be added
2: uh oh to
3: the 40 man yeah
2: yeah uh, has, i i don't yeah. know if he's going to be an obvious call-up this september yeah although the team seems to be making overtures like they're going to bring him up um but he's one who ha- who is going to have to be added so
1: just as well call yeah. him up as well
0: uhmonasey has to be added i think we've I think that's a fact.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think we think that's right. true, and then yeah, but I, least, I don't. I mean, mean, I don't.
2: Yeah, and I don't. But I don't think he's going to get yeah. helped, do you?
0: Now, no, I don't think so. But I would actually like a playoff roster where Infante's not on the list and Mondesi is, just because Mondesi could pinch run and play defense. He could be the defensive replacement specialist for you know the late innings. But it, that's a that's a weird roster, not my actual one. That I think <laughs> is going
2: to happen. I'm sorry, yeah. I just. I think I just. I hope you guys didn't hear that. I tried to mute my microphone fast enough, but I just screeched at the top of my ah, because Urdano you you Ventura just quick pitched and got a ground ball out, out of it, and it was nice. beautiful. Ah,
0: Sorry, Kyle Zimmer nice. is going to be probably. There's a lot of talk about him going to the bullpen, uh, the the major league bullpen. That is, he's starting now in uh, Northwest Arkansas. Um, that almost seems like maybe not a no brainer, but that seems like. There's a couple good candidates other than guys who are already on the 40-man, like Terrence Gore. um, But it seems like maybe Zimmer would be a pretty good option pending health. Agreed? Agreed. Yeah. He's, human, been, he's, he's been he's been killing, killing
3: it. it. Yeah. Um, a little less often because uh, since he's gone um,
2: to the uh, and to I the think rotation, but like, like as, as a reliever, it was like, it was a clear little bit like because they're only you a. know he's on a pitch he limit and everything, so us. he can't it's it's go as a reliever even. five or six innings. So you don't know if he would have given up more runs in that start. He's still only he walked two and struck out four. He gave up three unearned runs the game before that. And in his first, I think, actual start, he uh you know, struck out five in four innings or something like that. So he's his results have been kind of mixed, but he's still striking out a lot of guys. He's still not walking very many people. Mm-hmm. Um and outside of one start where he gave up something ridiculous, like seven or eight hits. Uh, he's not giving up contact. I mean, even in the in his last start when he gave up three runs, he only gave up two hits. So it's yes. – Yeah.
0: And I watched that start, and it was just uh, – it, it very rarely you see pitchers dominate. That I mean, not very rarely, but he just absolutely – just had them eating out of his hand. He would just throw curveball, Anywhere he wanted to throw the curveball. I mean, it, it, one of those hit the chalk lines. I had a, a, a gif of that, or a gif of that, excuse me. Um, it just bounces in the chalk. The guy goes, I, okay, and just swings. <laughs> <laughs> Solid one. <laughs> you,
3: look, yeah. I, I, I know that this is, like, uh, maybe a bit, bit much for prediction, but I think um, the Royals should seriously consider about starting him next year, like right out of the gate. Starting in the
0: rotation. Right. Yeah,
3: just right. put him in the rotation. Go for it because yeah. uh, he'll be making the league minimum, and they're at the salary point in the the cycle where they're going to need contributions from people who are making league minimum. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I I think you know if he, if he goes well for the rest of the year and he has a good spring training, just go for it. He's 24. He's had an injury career, or an injury history, um, but when when he's been on the field, he's been excellent yeah. everywhere. Everywhere he's gone.
0: Yeah. And, and nope, sorry. Go ahead.
3: That's yeah. I I just, I just think that that might be something that they should consider. It's just like, all right, well,
2: here, here we go.
3: Yeah. And even if he's
1: not great, there, like he he's got to be better than Guthrie,
2: yeah, or
1: you know, equivalent yeah. for yeah. much less money.
2: But why did I mean? Wandy's not necessarily going to be around next year, but you know, you never know. Yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm joking, by the way, but I I do think that both Kyle's Kyle Zimmer should definitely get a, a pretty long look. In spring training next season, obviously, presuming he's healthy. Yes. And then they also really need to take, I mean, probably need to take a long look at a guy like Miguel Almonte, because that you're Matt's absolutely right. Like they're at the point where those guys that have kind of been on the edge of being prospects or uh, have been prospects but haven't necessarily lived up. To all of the hype due to injury or performance or whatever, they're getting to a point where they can't afford not to see what they can do at the major league level, yeah um, so yeah can't afford it literally not like, yeah. literally can't afford it not not necessarily just like as an organization speaking, but literally ha- don't have the money to go out and give the next Jeremy Guthrie ten million in a year oh. Or give, I mean, even Jason Vargas, they can't go out and get another one of those for $9 million. Yeah. Like, they're, they have a core group of players who are in arbitration, who are becoming expensive. They're, if they're being very smart about things, they're going to take a long look at, at trading Greg Holland this offseason, regardless of whether or not they attach Omar Infante to his leg because he's expensive and he's only around for one more season and the Royals have options and they need to re-sign one of Gordon or Zobris just to try and maintain the success from this season which isn't a guarantee because some players are performing over expectations so guys like El Monte, guys like Zimmer, they're gonna have to take a look at them in their rotation and they're going to have to see what they got. And then, and then also hope that, you know, Donna Ventura can be better for an entire season. Yeah. And hope that Danny Duffy can remember how to strike guys up.
0: Are you guys proponents of speaking of Kyle Zimmer, um, you only there's there's only so many bullets in the arm, as they would say, uh, that, you know, every pitcher's eventually going to break, so why not maximize the innings you can early on before they break? Absolutely. That, I mean, with Zimmer, that seems like it, if we can get six months of healthy Zimmer consecutively, we need to get that in the major league level. Because if you wait a year or two, you might not get that. You know, and there's not a lot left of development-wise, really, with Zimmer, other than you know, getting his fastball command down a bit and working on his change. But I mean, Zimmer absolutely mowed down this Double A roster last night. Which, of course, is the Double A, and they happen to be one of the teams that are really, really bad at taking walks, they just swing at everything. But Zimmer's pretty good and he's got a pretty good arsenal, consistently ranked up there with prospects, asterisk when healthy. So yeah, I mean if you believe in the so many bullets in the arm kind of theory, um, that yeah, Zimmer seems I, like a pretty candidate for that.
2: I certainly I do I do agree with that. Um unless unless they think that Zimmer's injuries which I don't see how they would be. Unless they thought Zimmer's injuries were caused by some kind of mechanical flaw. Yeah. That needed to be ironed out. Then yes. And I think they're at that point with him now, like you said. I don't I don't know what you're going to learn or what he's going to gain from spending another half season in double A AA and triple A. Yeah. Other than getting to talk to Minda. <laughs> which might be worth it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Could, Much better than major league playing experience, absolutely. Minus, minus. And it doesn't show there. up in the box score, though. You
2: yeah, know? Yeah. Just, yeah. It's like Chris Getz's newfound power.
3: Right. <laughs> You'll not see any evidence of it.
2: <laughs> no, you will not. No.
3: And that's that's one of my favorite favorite memories from from old. Yeah. Um, and speaking of old, I'm, I'm all about the segues today. Yeah. Uh, Mike Sweeney. He is now in the Hall of Fame. Woohoo!
2: Yes, he is,
3: and uh, deservedly so. Yeah. Oh, very, very much so. Uh,
2: um, I think it's interesting on Twitter specifically that everybody understands that Mike Sweeney was the best player that the Royals had for a decent stretch of time. Outside of, I mean, you could argue for Carlos Beltran, and would probably be correct but Mike Sweeney is the one who actually signed a deal to stay around. Um, but it's interesting because people on, on Twitter, you know, were kind of not necessarily cutting him down, but trying to get past the idea that Mike Sweeney was one of the quote-unquote best hitters in baseball during his peak. Um, and from 99 to 2003, Sweeney was – 34th in baseball by weighted runs created plus which 34th in baseball over a five year stretch doesn't it's pretty good it's not great it's pretty good and specifically for a Royals team that uh, had if I remember correctly one of those guys um, I, I, I think that's worth remembering and worth honoring I mean he's second in team history in home runs. He has the franchise record for RBIs in a season. Oh. He's in the top five in on base percentage and slugging percentage for you know, for guys that have had I I think it was something like a thousand plate appearances with the team. Uh, there's there's a lot about him on-field production-wise that is worth being in the Hall of Fame. And then when you get into everything that he did for the community while he was a player and everything that he does for the organization now that he... He works in the Royals front office in a nebulous job description, which... He's a Royals ambassador, but from what I understand he also does something with the minor league system or with player development, or player personnel. Yes. Um, and just the fact that he's, you know, kind of embraced the city and the team and the organization and continues to be a really good example of professional athletes. I, I think that's worth something, even if he wasn't, you know, Alex Rodriguez or, you know, Barry Bonds or, or whatever. Obviously, no, I don't think anybody is suggesting that he should be in the Hall oh, of, Hall of Fame. Fame. Yeah. Right. But at, for the Royals Hall of Fame, I, I, I think it's a, yeah. a, more, a more than
0: worthy submission. He's ninth all time, if you believe in war, uh, wins above replacement. He's ninth all time in Royals, you know, wins above replacement. So beyond Patek, beyond Porter, Seitzer, McFarlane, Duranda, I mean, he's up there. I mean, I think he's, a, he's easily a top 10 Royal of all time. Um, yeah. In my opinion, now an, a parallel of of Sweeney, who we can get back to Sweeney here, but Billy Butler is from 2009 to 2012. He was 32nd in uh, weighted runs created plus, so 128 WRC plus. Do we think but would you guys put Butler in the Royals Hall of Fame? Absolutely. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. I think I think I agree with that too. That the Royals Hall of Fame? Yeah. Because okay. I mean, if
2: you're if you're talking about guys and where they rank in in terms of um, team records and things like that, I mean, Mike Sweeney is in the top ten in basically every offensive category you can think of, except for triples. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Billy Butler is also in the top ten in all of those categories. Okay. So I I I think it's it's a fairly good comparison. I mean, I think Mike Sweeney was a better hitter than even Billy Butler was. I mean, Billy Butler never had the kinds of seasons that Sweeney was able to put together. But Butler was not that much worse. I mean, it's kind of like saying, Sweeney was was very good, and one time he was phenomenal. And Billy Butler was just consistently really good. Yes.
0: Okay. And... Butler, and this is the thing is we sometimes we have to look, you know, the quantitative wise because Butler is tied basically with Ray Sanchez and U. L. Washington in in wins right. above replacement for Royals. So he's right. down there on the list, thirty second overall right now. But yeah, I mean he's among all those categories in hitting, consistently good hitter. Obviously, probably won't finish his career as a Royal. I you know don't imagine they'd have him back. Uh, Except for maybe coach third base, Uh, unless
2: unless he signs like a one day contract like Sweeney did. Yes, agreed. Okay. Uh, But I also, I mean, this is kind of tangential, but I think the Royals Hall of Fame is too small. Yeah. I mean, the the fact that they only have they have twenty five guys in there, um, and I guess I guess I I say it's too small, which is to say, in the next ten years or so, there's going to be a handful of guys. That should probably be immediately put in there, like Carlos Beltran, like um, Billy Butler when he becomes available, um, and even further down the road, obviously, a guy like Alex Gordon, yeah. uh, even Zach Greinke.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with Greinke, definitely. So,
2: now, I, oh, I, say, I say that it's too small. It's... I don't think it's necessarily too small right now, but I think you you can make a case for a couple of other guys to be in there. Yeah, um, David
0: DeJesus as well. You, I was about to David DeJesus
2: as, as well.
0: Excellent would, would you, be a guy that I would put in. I was about to say, Matt, you favorited that tweet of mine about D.D.J. He's a dark horse. I mean, he is tenth overall in wins above replacement, which I know you can't live by that only, but it, still, DeJesus was just there for a long time. Almost you know four thousand played appearances, eight hundred and seventy six games. So. Yeah, I think DDJ. I think he should be in the Royals Hall of Fame. It's not a sexy name. It's not George Brett, but I mean,
2: no. But I, I think there's a lot of a lot of people who understand, who were watching, who bothered to watch the Royals between, uh, I guess, what would it have been, 2003 to 2010 ish, roughly. Yeah, when when DeJesus was around, who recognized that he was their best player, <laughs> probably. Probably for, hey. for for several of those years, except for Emil Brown, I guess. Yeah, you know,
0: he had the Jesus had back to back four win seasons. I absolutely did not know that. So the Jesus was almost the that's all star candidate, right? Not, there
2: yeah. Wins. Not only did he have back to back four win seasons, but he he averaged right about three wins yeah. for five years or six years, basically until you know he hurt his hand.
0: Yeah. Man, I, I, I'm a big D.D.J. fan. Now, if we wanted to talk real quickly about current Royals that are maybe Hall of Famers, we know Gordon is going to be. Someone mm-hmm. tried making the case the other day that I, I disagreed with it. Um, well, I, I don't know. Maybe I don't disagree with it. It was, it was. Uh, um, Lorenzo Cain. Hall mm-hmm. of Famer. Yes or no? Um. If, if we just just, you know, it's easy to say. Well, maybe in ten years, yeah. But do you think up to this point has he done? I- yeah. Let me put it
2: this way. If he had two more seasons as just an average player, then I would say yes. Okay.
3: I, I, I say I, yes already because he was the American League. Uh, 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 he was the MVP, right, of, of yeah. that high well, I'm A-L- blanking. Yeah. The, the ALCS. Yeah. He was, he was the A-L-C-S MVP. ALCS MVP. And you know how many people are the ALCS MVP? Like not, just, not that many. Just one a year. Yeah. And right. the Royals obviously are, are not in the playoffs that often. Yeah. Uh, historically. Right. And so for a guy to make like such a big, you know, contribution in the playoffs. And that that's the thing. It's like I think it's like 20 years. We're going to see like I think most of the core of this current team is going to be in the Royals Hall of Fame. Um Salvador Perez, you know, he probably will be. You know, yeah. he probably should be just on that one hit in the wild card game. You yeah. know,
2: uh, well, uh, let's just go around the diamond. I mean, yeah. Perez maybe is, prob- is probably going to be in just because of his longevity with the team. Right, and, th- and
3: this yeah. probably should be assuming that they'll play another two years with the Royals. Right, yeah, right? that's agreed. Yeah. So
2: Eric Hosmer will probably be, <sighs> in. Maybe. Maybe. maybe,
0: maybe, maybe. I don't think he should be, but maybe. Okay Omar Infante Yes Will
2: we'll, eh. <laughs> That's a joke Let's yeah. just rule out Rios yeah.
3: and Infante right
0: now
2: Alcides Escobar Probably sure.
0: will be Sure I think
2: and Because again He's going to be With the team For three or four more seasons
0: Yeah And if Patek's He's going get,
2: to win At least one gold glove He's probably going to win The gold glove this year Yeah uh, it might win another one.
0: Mustakas is a no. I think. Should... is
2: probably a no. Yeah, probably. Un- unless he has two seasons that are twice as good as the one he's having this year. Yeah. Uh. G- Gordon's a yes. Yeah. Same. Kane down. is
0: yes. I would yes. say yes. Okay. I got a maybe on him. Um, so uh, and okay.
2: then if you want to go into the bullpen, Greg Holland's a yes. Yes. Calvin Herrera? No, n- I don't
3: think so. No,
2: he doesn't have the saves. You've got it, yeah.
3: yeah.
2: Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't have the, the rate, the counting stats that you that you want yeah. out of open guys.
0: Davis seems like a yes.
2: Wade Davis it, mm, might be a yes, considering how historically good he's been. Yes, uh, I I think you you probably have to put him in there.
1: It's a tougher sell though for the general public, uh, yes. since he's not you know quote unquote proven closer with the saves. That guys? is
2: no. that is true. It is, but it that's is, you know. You guys are definitely big a ball. tougher sell. But then you can, yeah. you can point to the fact that he's got a sub one ERA yeah. over mm-hmm. two mm-hmm. seasons. And Ned Yost I, as well. Oh, and I he's hate N- that Ned Yost will definitely be in the Royals Hall of Fame. Oh, and what what about yes. Dayton Moore? Dayton Moore will also be in the Royals Hall of Fame. What about Ned Yost is us? the winningest manager in Royals history. Oh. He took them to the World Series.
3: Has to date more, so yeah, they'll they'll both be in.
2: There's no way that he's not going to be in, which Wh- is a weird thing to say. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. Dark but, Horse, Rusty Cunts. What do you guys think? Eh. <laughs> no. no,
1: I give him a special exhibit. That doesn't necessarily mean he's in. Yeah, but we can enjoy his his um, rambunctiousness and yelling. If, uh, for generations.
2: If the lawn, the, just I was going to say, if anything, they should put his leaf blower and his, his nice. toupee in yes. there.
0: <laughs> uh, Although they, it's
2: probably not a toupee.
0: Yeah. yeah. Great point on Zach Grinky. I, I think... So, you guys think in two things. One, are you guys big haul... I'm a big haul guy. I think that there's... Sh- I don't think the haul should be tiny guys. I think it should be a relatively size, you know. There should be no limit. You know, there shouldn't be just two a year. Or there should be however many are good. Um, but do you guys think that you either... Do you think that winning a Cy Young and winning an MVP just in one year, you automatically should be in the Royals Hall of Fame? Yes or no?
2: Yeah.
3: Um, probably. Maybe not automatically. Like if James Shields, or like if if Cueto, okay. yeah, you know, yeah. If, theoretically, if Cueto had been traded yeah. from an American League team and won the American League, uh, you know, the Cy Young. Agree. You know, I I don't know. Um, if yeah. there are a multi-year Royal, then probably. Um, you know, Zach is today to this day is my favorite baseball player, both what he does on the oh, field, yeah. but off the field, and I, I ha- you know the Royals have obviously been really really good, but his starts were just you know an <laughs> event, like <laughs> capital E event, yes. and yes. it I was mean, what he was doing was just so far above what everybody else was doing, kind of yes. like when you watch Wade Davis now, but you know with three and a half times as many innings, yeah, right, oh. just. He he was just special. Yeah, and I mean, that's that, like Bo Jackson, you know, there, there's right. no, you can't quantify it. He's just Zach Granke.
2: That 2009 season, my group of friends, we organized watch parties for every single one of his starts. Nice. Uh, we would either go to the game, or we'd go to Minsky's, or we'd, we'd go to Buffalo Wild Wings to sit down and watch Zach Granke for two and a half hours. I mean, that season alone. I think, would put him in the Hall of Fame. With a guy like R- Lorenzo Kane, he did win the ALCS MVP, but I guess I took the question as if Lorenzo Kane was traded this offseason and never played another game for the Royals, would he be in the Hall of Fame? I say no. And I, I would... I'm very borderli- borderline on it because he's only had the two-ish seasons, the yes. three-ish seasons. Three also years. depends on
3: what he does in this postseason. That's right? what I was going to say. Pending,
2: right.
0: unknown. Right.
3: Yeah,
2: that that is also true. If he wins if he the is- ALCS MVP again, yeah,
0: absolutely. Mm-hmm.
2: Then absolutely. Yes, absolutely.
0: Hmm. Man, but, so- uh,
2: but but yes, I'm 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 a big Hall guy. Like I I think that the Royals they you know have 25 guys in right now, and I think there's going to be room. There should be room for several other guys. Fun fact, by the way, because you were talking about. Uh, the wins above replacement leaderboard for for the Royals. Uh, I thought it would be interesting to point out that uh, Gerard Dyson is twenty second.
0: Huh? Who's he around? Who's around him?
2: Al Cowens and Ed Kirkpatrick. Huh. Uh, and he's two slots above Willie Aikens.
0: Were those were those nineteen eighties guys? Because remember how bad I am at knowing eighties Royals. <laughs> oh, you mean Cowens and Kirkpatrick? Yes, I, I've Cowens was of a Patrick.
2: a mid seventies to mid eighties guy, oh. and Kirkpatrick was way before that. He okay. was uh, he was he was with the Royals in the early seventies. So that's why I've never heard of him. Okay, I'm yeah. sure you know
0: people uh, know No, I mean,
2: Al Cowens is, I believe, is in the Royals Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, I knew Cowens, but I hadn't heard of Kirkpatrick yeah. before. I, I
2: just think it's interesting that Gerard Dyson. Part-time player, yes, who can't buy his way onto a starting position or even in a platoon without some guy getting hurt, is likely going to end in the top twenty <laughs> in wins above replacement for the Royals,
0: a team that's been around for forty. You know, that are it, It's right. not the Nationals here. It's team, yeah.
2: Some guys from from that are on the team now that are ahead of him are Alcides Escobar, Salvador Perez, Alex Gordon. Mm-hmm. And Lorenzo King And I, I think all, all four of those guys Are, are, are probably going to be in
0: uh, So, Mike Sweeney Favorite Mike Sweeney moment um, Go ahead go, uh, Joshua, have you thought of one yet? The only one I f- can
2: Kind of remember And I had to look it up on Baseball Reference To make sure that I wasn't Completely full of it uh, was there's a game in 2003 uh, about mid June when the Royals were still chugging along, still trying to stay above 500. They had slipped back to second place uh, in the division. Uh, they were facing the Minnesota Twins, who were in first place at the time. And Mike Sweeney in one of his you know handful of games that he played that season uh, went something like two for four with five RBI, and the Royals ended up in, winning the game in the bottom of the ninth on a Raul Ibanez single after Mike McDougal blew the save, <laughs> giving up three runs in the top of the ninth. Um, But Mike Sweeney hit a home run and drove in five, Um, and that's, I remember that, after looking it up, I actually remember that game pretty well, because it was one of the only times that the Royals were able to tackle the Bulldog, Eddie Gordato, and actually make him uh, blow a save and take a loss, or... Either of those, and I remember hating the Twins so much in the early 2000s because they were the team that always seemed to be, one, winning the division, and two, always had a guy like Lou Ford that was crushing home runs into center field, and A.J. Pruszynski was on the team at the time, and he's just a dick, so...
0: (laughs) Uh, so the listeners at home know we are ruling out the Jeff Weaver fight and – what's the other one we're ruling out? Stealing, uh, home. Stealing home. Stealing home. Yes, yes, right. Um, Matthew? Um,
3: you know, I don't really have that, that many strong memories of, of Sweeney because uh, I moved uh, – I was nine years old when we moved to here from Can- from Cleveland in 2000. And so I had no affiliation with the Royals. And it really just sort of – I don't know, sort of like, you know, this disease that grew on me over the course of a decade, you know, and finally, like... Another reason why Zach Greinke is one of my favorite players is, like, his season is the season that sort of, like, cemented the Royals as, like, my team, you know? Um, and I started following them, you know, every single day through everything they did. Uh, and so I don't I don't really have that many good memories of, of Sweeney. I do remember... That we were at a game in which Sweeney had a game running double because you know he just hit it into the gap and you know they, they scored and they won because that's what Sweeney does. I also remember going to the um, with a group of church people. This is like early 2000s, uh, must have been like 03 or 04. Uh, it was like Christian Day at the K, and um, we all moved after the game. We all moved like to the the, the closest seats, and then Mike Sweeney talked to us about you know, his faith. And then uh, he handed the microphone off to Carlos Beltran, who, you know, spoke to us as well. Um, And those those are the two moments that I, you know, remember. Um, The other thing that I remember is, like, is when he took out the whole page in the Kansas City uh, Star uh, to thank the fans. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that was... You could could really tell that he cared about uh, Kansas City.
2: Took out a full page ad to thank the fans that had been deriding him for the last four seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Great guy. Minda, what do you
0: think?
1: Um, I mean, I have, you know, I I have, uh, memories, I suppose, although I think he had just made a new memory for me during the broadcast on Friday. Um, when he he joined the TV broadcast for maybe too long. I mean, they, they kind of ignored the game action a little more than we would have maybe preferred as a, as a watcher. But um, something that he said Friday really resonated with me. Um, so he, even though he is a uh, sort of a, an employee of the team and he does rove through the minors and, and provide his instruction or you know, pep talks or whatever... Um, he still does for the most part, reside at home in in California with his family. And so uh, he was asked, you know, so since you're at home in california, do you do you follow like the angels too, since they were like your childhood team growing up? And he said, no, i I love the Royals. I only follow the Royals and I only like the Royals. i don't I don't care about any other team the way that I care about the Royals. And I just, for whatever reason, I just think that's pretty cool in this day and age where like, the, the one team attachment isn't that important anymore uh, it was just really cool to hear him say that and I, I believe it um, but I I did share on the site in a comment um, just when I was like uh, like 18 and it was my first season in Omaha um, he came here to rehab from you know some injury or another and um, I like creepily hovered around the dugout waiting for him to finish up a Radio interview or something, and like I went to ask him for an autograph ball. I was like not smooth with talking to players or anything yet because I was it was like my first year here. So I was like, "Hi, I'm a fan, and I'm Catholic, and I think it's cool that you are too. And can you sign a ball for my brother's church group, please?" Kay, thanks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he did, he did, and and uh, also signed a, a ball for. Uh, my brother and signed a bat for me, which I still have. I'm I'm not big on autographs, but that bat is yeah. cherished. Um, and then he invited my two of my brothers and my sister in law to go to church with him that that Sunday, which uh-huh. is really really nice of him. He didn't have to do that; it was very sweet.
2: Yeah. Uh- Honor, honorable mention for the time that he got struck in the back by a relay throw from
0: Rayfield. Yes, <laughs> I think Man, my favorite ones. one. It was such a oh my god. Oh, watching the
2: Royals in the 2000s was just oh. You I know?
3: showed I showed you know the video of Ken Harvey um, getting hit in the face. Yeah. Uh,
2: By Jason to, with Jason Grimsley. Being yeah.
3: To, yeah. To, my, to my wife who I had not you know seen or known about that, and I showed it to her, and she just like laughed just
2: hysterically. Like how that's just so so bad. Oh, and that happened like. Not that specific thing, but something like that happened every week. Yes. Whether it's. it's a new terror. Whether it's a ball, a line drive hitting a bird in <laughs> Cleveland. Yes. To let them score the game winning run, or Carrie Robinson climbing the wall on a ball that landed <laughs> yeah. ten, 10 feet in front of the warning track. I mean, to e- yeah. email Brown,
0: I was just thinking
2: leading yeah. the team in RBI in two seasons
1: with like sixty two. Yeah,
0: yeah, well, uh, yeah, it was eighty ish. But like, or just sh- sh- shooting that reporter with a BB gun. I think that was shooting Brown. the reporter with yeah. BB gun.
2: Yeah, that was that was a thing. Jeez, to um, giving playing time to guys like Chip Ambrose oh. and Not, Chris Gads. and well, Chris Gads. <laughs> but nothing against. Chip Ambrose, I'm sure he's a great guy, but just uh, D Brown being a thing. Yes,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> my uh... it's, just, it's just funny because D Brown statistically by by wins above replacement is the worst Royals player in history. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, which completely Perfect. makes sense because he played in the 2000s for the Royals with Brent Abernathy and Kit Pello. And Morgan Burkhart and Calvin Prickering, who had that great week. Oh, yeah.
0: Man, I thought it would be Betancourt would be the all-time loser. But uh, my favorite Sweeney moment, uh, to interject, may or may not have actually happened, now that I'm looking at it. Um, so I thought it was, back in the early 2000s, I remember Sweeney, it's, I, the situation I recall, it's against Kenny Rogers, and... It's in the bottom of the ninth. I think it was when Rogers played for Texas. It's the bottom of the ninth. Sweeney hits a home run down around the left field uh, foul pole. But Rogers goes out, starts down at the umpires, saying that, no, no, that's foul. So the umpires huddle around, they think it over, and they go, yeah, you're right, that was a foul ball. So the very next pitch, Sweeney then cranks that next pitch into left field, no doubt, home run. So I'm thinking, man, that's probably my favorite Sweeney moment. But looking back, Mike Sweeney... Never faced Kenny Rogers, so that's obviously incorrect. And I'm looking over all of his home runs here, and it doesn't seem to be any that that match that scenario. So listeners, Royals Review readers, if you recall this moment, it might have been against Joe Nathan now that I'm looking at it, but if you recall this moment, please fill in the blanks of my obviously riddled mind that has this wrong. Anyway, so tentatively that's my favorite Mike Sweeney moment that may or may not have happened. Uh.
3: So as as a side note to to the D Brown thing I was looking at like because uh Fangraphs is a wonderful thing and you could just like look look up random crap. So should I
2: should just ask them to sponsor this podcast. It's it's Fangraphs.
3: It's fan green graphs. Um <laughs> and anyway, so I was looking up like the worst players that ever played by war. Um with that had a certain amount of plate appearances, so I was looking to see, you know, 600 plate appearances, so like one year. So if you spent one year in the major leagues or the equivalent of one year, who were the worst players in uh, baseball from in the past like 30, 30 years since since '85? So the worst player is this guy named Juan Castro, who played between 1995 and 2011. Um, was he and- a catcher? he played he was he was he played shortstop third base second base you know he was one of those those guys um, and the the eighth worst player in the past 30 years is D Brown nice eighth <laughs> worst out of 1656 players D Brown is the eighth worst <laughs> I would have guessed Castro is a
0: shortstop. I I had I don't recall the name, but looking at also, him, he's probably a shortstop. Um
3: Niffy Perez
0: is fifteenth worst. Oh, Ooh. oh
2: Niffy. Former
0: rookie. No, those on not Baroa, Never mind. No, yeah, that was... how, how how bad was Barola? Was he? Um, let me pull him. Let's he? What? Bad. Well, he was actually old.
1: Well, so we I don't. He was a rookie. Yeah, and I, I don't. That hurt.
2: After. I mean his he had that decent season when obviously he won rookie of the year over Hideki Matsui I believe oh. uh oh. but after that I'm, I don't know if he accrued enough playing time to actually earn
0: a lot of negative wins
1: now, he spent he, a lot of time in Omaha making like $7 million. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he did. Because at 04, for, and this is for the Royals, 04, 550 played appearances. 05, 650. 06, 503. So, yeah, I mean, he had tons of time there and he had negative wins. Se- I mean, negative win seasons, but he banked so many wins in 2003 that it basically made him uh, completely replacement level, essentially. So, he's, yeah. he's not as bad as memory serves just because he had the one you know, above average season. So, sadly we sadly he doesn't go down in the the hall of uh me. Inf- yeah, terrible. Your
2: Donald uh, just struck out Mike Trout looking by the way.
1: Very nice. Yes.
2: Um okay. Ken Harvey, yeah. 37th worst. Oh.
3: Denny Hawking,
2: he spent time with the Royals. Let's see. Who he's nice. He's ninth worst. Ross Glode, 67th worst.
0: Glode wow. is really Yeah. load he mm-hmm. played for so many te- – I mean, you, these guys are all so awful, yet they, they play for so many teams because every single team thinks, oh, yeah, we can bring this guy back, which is, which is your Ross Glow, you know, moment there. Where, <laughs> right. Uh,
2: or, yeah. or they're a clubhouse guy. Yeah, right. Uh, except for, I'm starting to think that must be what Mike Aviles' value is to teams. Yes. Because he's not very good at baseball. Unieski-Betancourt, 94th yeah. worst. Man. So the
3: Royals have like a good solid four yeah. that I I can see right off the bat. Yeah. Um. Interestingly, Brian Pena, one hundred fifth worst. One hundred fifth worst. I would have loved. Oh, that. negative one point four. F four. Are
2: you, are you, 4, are, you uh, are you filtering out pitchers? Because there are. I just saw Terry oh, Holland. Who had o- over 600 plate appearances from 1985 to 2015? You know, I'm not so. Mm. So I some of, some ways. of these guys are even worse than we think they are. Yeah, yeah that's really worse. what that comes down to. Oh, that's great.
1: And yet we're all still Royals fans. Dude. Yeah, I, I
2: don't. Stuff I don't know. I don't know how that worked. I really don't. Uh, Filtering out pitchers, D Brown moves from ninth to eighth.
0: Yeah, hey, it's, 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 uh, it's a big jump. It's uh, a
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah. logarithmic. Uh, remember is when case. Wilton Guerrero was getting at bets? Uh, is it, it was Vladimir Guerrero's little brother or cousin or something?
0: No. I, I don't, but uh, David Murphy just tied the game, by the way. It's 2-2. Yes. That jerk. Oh. Okay, yeah. so good. So we've talked about a lot of stuff. One more thing I want to bring up before we end this podcast. I got in a pretty nice little debate the other day. Eric Cosmer, uh, very hot right now. Matt, you Matthew, you are a big proponent of the future of Eric Cosmer. Maybe not a big one. Is it? Can I say you're a big proponent of it?
3: Uh no, I I wouldn't say I was a big proponent. I was more uh pushing back against your tweets just because I thought they were a little pessimistic. Um I don't I don't I don't think that he's necessarily gonna be huge, but I think that – um, I think he's probably better than his career numbers okay. uh, say. But go, go on.
0: Yeah, and so and so, one thing I was talking about was Hosmer's defense, and this is a great kind of uh, great kind of maybe study in you know quantitative against qualitative in a way that defensively the metrics think that Hosmer is basically an, a, 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 an average first baseman. You know, not good, not bad, just kind of right down the middle, really, maybe slightly one way or the other with some air bars, but. Of course, he gets tons of love in the press. I think he he won a gold glove, right? Um, so yep. he, he gets a, a lot of love for it, yet the numbers, which we now have you know, thousands of innings worth of data to work with on Hosmer, they don't uh, think it's the same.
2: Eric Hosmer has two gold gloves. He has there. two,
0: okay. Yep. What do we think? I mean, which one are you guys more inclined to agree with, really? The visual or the statistical side of things? Because you can't really agree with, both necessarily in this case
3: um well it depends on what you what you look at um his if you look at just pure ultimate zone rating um he has a positive rating for the last three years um and that's so something happened between 12 and 13 if you look at the numbers he goes from like terrible like worse than baseball to you know significantly yeah. better and didn't so we think figure out they,
0: that was because he was close too close to the line i think that yeah. was the consensus on that
3: yeah they're okay. positioning so uh, so if if you if you believe that and you know that's that's you know uh there's no way to necessarily prove that but that makes sense so if, if you think that way he has a positive ultimate zone raise rating over the past uh three years uh granted not you know ridiculous uh 1.1 1. 1. But he also has a positive defensive run saved, and he's at seven for the past three years. So I think, I think the, the the metrics are showing that he's good, just good. But you're you're right. Like his the the eye test says, you know, he's amazing. But the the metrics is just like, yeah, he's good. Yeah. But good is not
2: gold glove, nor yes. is it amazing. Right. Yeah.
0: He's not. He's not well, Keith and- Hernandez. Yes.
2: He's not Keith Hernandez. Well, and I think I think one of the things, and it's something that is kind of gotten talked about, I think Dave Cameron has brought it up recently within the last year or so, is that first base as a defensive position is one of the hardest positions to grade other than catcher because of all of the different components that go into it, that some of the things that a first baseman gets... Penalized or, or rewarded for are out of his control, which is uh, um, throws from third base, shortstop, and second base, relays you know from the pitcher and the catcher on on trying to make outs. Defensive positioning is such a big deal, and then there's also just kind of the weird requirements of playing first base and being one of being really the only position that is going to the bag to get to set up for the force out is your first instinct, as opposed to all of the other positions who are more worried about getting to the ball. I think creates kind of a, a weird uh, sort of expectation or a weird kind of um, hitch in how first basemen get graded. Um, But I, I think I agree with Matt in that Eric Hosmer is probably closer to being average to good than he is to being, you know, what is probably going to be his third consecutive gold glove season this year.
0: Certainly not elite. We can agree with that at least. Yeah. What do you think Ron Washington would say about playing first base? How hard do you think it is? It's incredibly hard. There you go. Glad he got. Glad someone got that reference there. Um, yeah, um, Minda, you probably got to see some some uh, Wizard of Haas down in Omaha. Um, do you recall much of his time there? I mean, do you remember seeing him defensively there? Do you think anything's improved or?
1: You know, um, his time in Omaha was brief, and it overlapped actually a lot of when I briefly moved to uh, Palm Springs, California. So I missed. I, I only saw him for a couple of games. I oh. have, unfortunately, no uh, special knowledge of his, you know, wizardry other than his rehab assignment uh, last fall, in which he was around just long enough to help Omaha very improbably make it to the playoffs uh, when they had no business being there. Then they won the championship. So, <laughs> so I'm gonna maybe I can attribute that to Hosmer. <laughs>
0: And you know what, speaking of Hosmer, what irks me is that Eric Hosmer hasn't played for Wilmington since 2009. He is still on Wilmington's background at, if you go to their website. It's just yep. a photo of Eric Hosmer.
1: I and, think he may still be on uh, Northwest Arkansas as well.
0: He could be. Yeah, I know that uh, – I think Monesty – yeah, it's definitely uh, – there's Dozier and some pitcher. I don't know who the pitcher on the left okay. is. okay. Um, but anyways, yes, I think we could agree that Hosmer – now another kind of just final point on Hosmer – Freddie Freeman got, I think, eight years, somewhere 130 million. Matt, it seems like you would be maybe fine with that. And not the Royals paying that, obviously, but valuing Eric Hosmer at that deal. Yes or no, do you think?
3: Um, I, I've gone back and forth on on Hosmer, uh, and I think I, I, I've settled on that um, he's finally he's got so much athletic talent, and he's been sort of all over the map. But if you if you look at his worst season, which was 2012. Um he was he was in the in the like league a full year in 2011 and uh you know, you expect the league to adjust to him first of all. And then second of all, you look at his BABIP and it is the only season in which it's below 300 and it's not just below 300, it's at 255. Yeah. So that is that's, you know, his BABIP is inflated this year, but he's also been hitting the ball hard, so even if that comes down a little Um, the 255 is just like way 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 low and so even though his power was down um some of that power probably comes from you know people catching balls in the gap or whatever so i think if you think as 2012 was sort of like an outlier he's been at least average in all of his seasons and in three of his seasons he's been pretty solidly above average and you know you, you look at Alex Gordon who peaked at age twenty seven, you know, he's twenty five right now, 26, 27, 28 you know, those are, you know, big years for hitters. I think that if you sign him to a big contract, I think he might, you know, give you a return on that. I do think he might have a little bit of the Matt Kemp style of he just might be terrible for a year, you know. But I think overall he's just got so much talent that and I mean you you look at what he's doing this year. He's just he's killed the ball. Just the whole year. He's killed the ball. And I probably would sign him for that if I had the money to do so. But should the Royals do that?
0: No. Yes, agreed. You you would personally sign him to be... If you had the money, you would sign him for your serve, to to serve you, right, Matt, if you could pay him that much money? Um, yes. To be your butler. Only
3: if I... Serving me meant playing first base. Yes. Baseball. And not so right one. field, by the way. Yes. Speaking of defensive numbers... <laughs> yes. um, He's played 25 innings of right field. Um, his uh, defensive run saved is negative 2, which is quite quite bad for 25 innings. But if you look at his UZR ultimate zone rating over uh, 150, yes, it's negative 134 runs. So if he played a full season in right field, he'd be 134 runs worse than... Than your average player, which is about thirteen wins.
0: Yes, but say that's negative thirteen wins right there, basically. Yeah, that he
3: would be. Small sample sizes, but also he's terrible in the right field. So,
0: so, eh. so Hanley Ramirez is absolutely awful in left field, and he is like ten times not as bad as that. Just so people have a reference of you know what negative one hundred and thirty-four runs would look like. The, the Royals will basically need to score an insane amount of runs to overcome that.
3: I mean, put put Billy Butler in the field, and he might be better. Or put Billy Butler in right field, and he might be better than Eric Osmer. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. that's that's it, how bad Eric
0: Osmer is. It it'd right be field. hard to be worse than that.
2: wasn't it Wasn't it by oozer that Billy Butler was technically better than Eric Osmer at first base for think a think while?
0: Could, yes, that was an argument that was brought up.
2: Because I I, I remember specifically having that argument with several people that by, I, I don't remember if it was Total Zone or Fielding Bible or Uzer, that in two of those three, Billy Butler was rated as being a better first baseman than Eric Hosmer. I think it was UZR, uh, yeah.
3: Um, in UZR, out of 150, Billy Butler's at negative 5.4, and Eric Hosmer is at negative 5.1. But again, realize that the first two years of Hosmer was, yeah. you know, Really poor positioning. So, right, right. I, A quick look would say either yeah, similar, but I think you know over the last three years, Osmer's shown to be, yeah. you know, way better. And, than, and the sample
0: yeah. size, I think, is yeah. pretty different, or at least right. for the most part, seems like. We're,
2: yeah. Um, I mean, Butler did have a couple of seasons where he consistently took yeah. space, but, but yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not really arguing that yeah. Butler' true talent level is better than Hosmer, but it's interesting that the positioning can have such such an impact to that extent that yeah. Eric Hosmer was being graded out as being worse than Billy Butler at first place when everybody I think is pretty aware that Billy Butler at yes. first base. Though I think he was I don't think he was as bad as people said he was. Yeah, Billy Butler was not a good first base. They just saw fat. They just saw you know
0: f- f- fat as me. They saw a rounder guy that's slow out there, and they go, "Oh, he probably sucks." You know, I mean, S- yeah.
3: skill wise, he was he was pretty good. You know, he caught the ball r- routinely and made yeah. some nice catches. Nice. He stood, catches, there. You know. he stood yeah. there. He had good defensive perfectly. skills, but he's yeah. just not
2: good enough range. Definitely. You see that on Athletics Nation. Speaking of Billy Butler, that they're talking about how Oakland needs to. Get rid of him already?
3: No.
0: Oh. Three three years, $30 million just uh, up, is what he signed for. And okay, Minda. Oh, so, so bad for Butler. You still there, Minda? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just hadn't heard you in a while. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, that's bad. Anyway, so, okay. I think we've got everything out of the way, all we wanted to talk about. Um, Royals got jobbed real quick. Let's talk about that while we're at it, just so we have that on record. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, yeah. Matthew, do you want to explain that situation?
3: Um, the Royals uh had this so baseball tonight um or, uh, has a um web gem and every day the twitter account they they say hey retweet if you want this one and favorite if you want that one and the um basically the short of it is uh the Royals Infante Escobar flip play got one and then the next day it was not part of their tweets
0: and that would that sounds like it's counterintuitive to the uh the voting style <laughs> that yes
3: like voting if you vote your person wins otherwise what's the point of the vote unless you know? they have an electoral
0: college though we don't we don't know if espn has electoral college for that though <laughs> so that could be the only
3: gerrymandering type. just yes
0: online gerrymandering yes they really rig just- that one so yeah i mean it's not listen it's not you know, pressing news. It's not something that's going to change the Royals' season, but it's still kind of funny that if you believe in some sort of... Who did they lose out to, by the way? I'm sorry, I I forgot who it was.
2: It was the Anthony Rizzo. Ah. Well, see, that's the thing. They didn't actually lose. Right, right. The Royals beat the Anthony Rizzo going into the crowd play. Right. Came back the next day and beat the Francisco Lindor glove flip. And then the day after that the vote was between the Anthony Rizzo tarp <laughs> catch and the Cespedes throw from center field. Which, so which, so not, only, not only did Rizzo lose, he wasn't even in the next day, but then they brought it back the day after that to go up against the Cespedes play, yeah. which, by the way, uh, the Rizzo play is losing right now.
0: And that wasn't even that good of a play, the Rizzo one. I don't think it was more theatrical than it was necessarily. So I think of the Russell Martin one the other day, where he jumped up on the um, the dugout railing, which is you know a couple inches thick. He's got the cleats yeah. on. I mean, that's a little more spectacular than jumping out on this you know gigantic, deep, thick tarp and then making right. the play, and then throwing it back. I don't know. I I didn't think it was that great. But, but def- he well,
1: ended up in the seats, which, you know, it, it's funny to look at, and, yeah. and it stands out in the memory in that way.
0: Right, but the Gordon seat thing is un... They retired him, I think, right? He, yeah, they did. After well, uh, Yeah, for after 50? 50. wins. Yeah, Inter-world.
2: and the thing is, is the Infante Escobar play took over for the Gerard Dyson no-look, over-the-shoulder oh, yeah. catch double <sighs> play. Yeah. So... The Royals had been for for this season collectively I tried to do the math earlier, it's pretty hard, but collectively this season the Royals have had the reigning web gym for I think something like ninety one days.
0: Yeah. Which is a which has gotta be like seventy, eighty percent of the entire season. Yeah. You know? there,
2: thereabouts, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's just They'll and the finish. only and the only
2: way they get rid of them is by just <laughs> changing
0: yeah. the rules, yeah.
2: making it up and hoping no one notices. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because I don't think that fifty game limit existed until Gordon yeah. had to be. They had to come up with some way to <laughs> retire that.
0: Yeah, it's basically. just funny that fans just kept vote. I mean, yeah, it's totally a fan vote thing, but it's just kind of funny. They probably like, all right, fans, just chill out. We're done with this Gordon thing. We right. get it. It's yeah. awesome. Might be play of the year. So. Yeah, definitely better than the Anthony Rizzo one. Which who knows that Gordon one could still be going to this day. Um, of course, the Royals—they were never ESPN was never going to have a Royals I, against Royals, you know, replay. You know, those first. two matchings. To
2: be fair, I I would vote the Dyson play over the Gordon. Really? one. Really?
0: Yeah.
1: That's amazing.
2: Running running that far, and making what is essentially a behind the back no look catch when he was about. Ten inches away from running into the wall, uh, I I think is is n- not by a wide margin, but I would definitely say was was more impressive.
0: Does Fangraph ha- have a stat for play? Like, a- oh,
2: I mean, it's probably worth more DRS because he turned it into a double play. Yeah, I just. I mean, it it was certainly if you want to be a big proponent of uh, win
0: probability added. The Dyson play was worth more. Which I am. Uh Ryan Lafeber would think that that is two DR defensive run saves. Every play that is good is one <laughs> every, defensive run save. Every play. Oh. And doesn't understand it, but and that's the thing that we've talked about. And um Matt, you had real quick while we're on it, Matt, you had a piece on that too, about kind of I don't believe did you recall it ignorance or, or how did you label the title of that? About, you know, Oh, I the arrogance of arrogance. ignorance. Yeah. And that's a good one that a lot of fans will like to prove good things about their teams via stats. You know they care about wins above replacement when it comes to saying how good Zobrist is, but when it comes to saying that hey, you know Jeremy Guthrie's not a very good pitcher, they go well. He, no, he adds this, he adds that. So I think that's you know
3: a good one, yeah. the crazy thing about that was I think it was um, Thursday because I was writing, writing the recap of that, and Ryan and Rex were talking about DRS in regards to Omar Infante, and they are talking about how good he is in DRS. And that that is true. That is true. But you look at his wins above replacement, and it's negative 0.9, right? So if you're looking at DRS, you're like, no, he's good. You're just, like, willfully not looking yes. at anything that disproves what you want to see, which means that you're not doing anything that's useful at all. You're just saying... Yeah. You, could, you might as well be just reading the phone book like, yeah. it just doesn't matter
0: and it's not, okay. like, it's not like Infante is at like 1.7 war where you could be like okay he's pretty close to an average player you probably wouldn't call him below average I mean he's right on the cusp with error bars he's negative one and a half or whatever it was that you're you know it's not even close to even replacement let alone average so yeah I mean that's. I thought your article was really great I think you deserve a lot of praise for that so great job thank you I do too. Minda? I also do. Okay, good. I wanna be sure everybody was on (laughs) board. Thank you. you. Well, uh, yeah.
2: Just just to just to emphasize Matt's point or the point that we're making. Omar Infante has defensively has saved six about about half a win for the Royals this season. Offensively speaking, he has cost them about two and a half wins. Give or, time, both, or run, yeah. runs, I should say, and and so it's and like Matt was saying, I mean to just kind of willfully ignore the fact that he has been by weighted runs created plus the worst offensive player in baseball this season. Yes, by a wide margin. I, I mentioned it on Twitter earlier today that he his WRC plus is forty. And the next qualified player is Billy Hamilton, whose weighted runs created plus is 54. So it's not even that Omar Infante is the worst player. He's the worst player by 14%. Yes. Below average.
0: All three, you, you triple slashes, you know, it has its value. All three of his triple slash metrics, average OBP slugging below 300. That is almost impossibly bad.
2: Yeah, Gerald Dyson's never had a season like that, and he's considered to be a terrible hitter by a lot of people.
0: Yet we still have two more seasons. Yet Infante might be on the playoff roster, so that is not good. Uh, we no, should we should put that new Ben Zobrist guy I'm, in his. Well, pocket. I am
2: I, I am glad that, that Yost finally admitted to Infante's season long. Hitting slow. yeah, yes.
1: It was a really diplomatic way of saying, like, yes, he's terrible, right. but we've had to stick with, but I've chosen to stick with him all season to this yeah. point.
0: Yeah, well, right. it's only been it's only been about a thousand plate appearances, dating back to last year. So, I mean, <laughs>
1: yeah, give, give the guy a shot.
0: Give him a shot. Right. Well, and and I mean, if and people
2: have brought up. Uh, not people, one person I know <laughs> has, has br- brought up Mike Oh, Because we gave Mike Mustakas a thousand plate appearances and now he's a slightly above average to average hitter this season. And go him. And then I remind them that Omar Infante is almost a decade older than him. And they don't Really seem to know what to make of that because apparently age doesn't matter when you play baseball. Or- Neither
0: does giant mechanical changes in your approach and swing, either. Apparently, to this person, that right? Who's yeah. isn't just it didn't just click for him, it's no. not you know, it, it took changes. So, uh, yes, Infante's very bad. So, let's hope we don't have any more Infante, right? Um, so, anyways, okay, uh. Podcast done what else do we have to cover anybody here anything
3: I, I don't know I think I think it's time it's time for... Yes. I, w- I would insert a song like I, you know if this was a musical we could insert a song but it's not so yes. I,
2: we're, we're, I would we're, like, like to say congratulations to the Royals on winning the American League Central're <laughs> you're, uh, you're, uh, because I have a feeling that if I am ever on the show again which I might not be if they actually lose. But I'm pretty confident because at this point they'd have to go something like 15 and 31, and the Twins would have to go like 27 and like 14. Yeah, it's it's not gonna to, happen. It's to just tie happen. them for the division. So, congrats on winning the Central, uh, because they will probably have locked it up by the next time I'm on the show, if I'm
0: ever on again pakoda even thinks they're going to win the central the biggest pessimist for the royals this whole year pakoda is mm-hmm. on the bandwagon finally so right and also congratulations minda by, by the way just got yes. married congrats
1: thank you thank you
0: so great job uh, well this is the end of the, the podcast here thanks for listening we'll have a musical outro um feel free to listen to us more on you know further podcast, read us on Royals Review. Um, Joshua Ward, thank you for coming on and if you want to follow Josh, you can follow him at Josh's Twitter handle, which is... J underscore K underscore W-A-R-D. And then we also have uh, Great Omaha Storm Chaser content brought to you by uh, Minda Haas-Nee-Nee nee Haas, right? That's how you nee say Haas. it. It's N-E-E mm-hmm. Haas. Coolman. Yeah. And you can follow Minda at Minda33, right? Minda33. Conveniently
1: just use the first name in that so there's no confusion with the uh, <laughs> name change. Yes. I, I was really thinking ahead in 2008 when I signed up for Twitter with that.
0: Yes. Were you dating your current husband in 2008? Heavens no. No. No? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So, and then Welcome finally, away. my co-host uh, Matthew Lamar. Matt, what's that uh, Twitter handle of yours? It's
3: at Lamar underscore Matt.
0: And then finally, I'm Sean Newkirk. Uh, you're the co-host, and I'm Sean Core. S H A U N C O R E. I think in Chicago because I'm going to be back at the Chicago game. I'm going to bring in a sign that's just a white piece of paper with my Twitter handle on it. I'm just going to sit there because I should be. Our seats should be good enough that we should be in the camera view the entire broadcast. So, oh, wow. Look out for that. If you see an idiot with that sign, it's probably myself, but I might pay someone to do Speaking
2: it. Speaking of which, I will be in the crown seats on August 24th. Nice. So I will also probably be on TV.
0: This uh the pink dress girl is still there just to update. This. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to try and sit in that stool.
2: Yeah, in that fold-out chair that she seems to have brought with her.
0: You know, that's where the Rockies' mascot uh, at, at Colorado games that's where he stands behind and shakes his stomach at the pitchers so maybe <laughs> maybe that's her ploy she's going to get up and do that in the ninth um, and, and hopefully Marlon's band will be there too Josh when, when you're there uh, um, which would be great you obviously have to get a photo
2: yeah that, so, woohoo so, so, I can
1: hear uh, your eyes rolling
0: yeah oh. <laughs> alright All right, well uh, thanks for listening uh, guests thank you and everybody uh you see you soon thank you.
3: I am to